Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One thing I was asked from one of our friends is like, what about if she's hypothetically, um, I'm a Democrat and she's a Republican? Would that oh, be no, an sure. issue with you? No, I know you're not. <laughs> but let's say, sure, let's say if she was, would that be a deal breaker? I said, absolutely not. It Just because would, she, it would be a deal breaker. For me, it wouldn't be. For me, it would. For me, it wouldn't be. I got you. Can we get the hey, check, y'all? Divorce, divorce check. But <laughs> for me, it wouldn't be an issue because that doesn't, for me, that doesn't matter in a relationship. That's not going to control. That's not going to how I feel about a person. I'm not going to let that bother me. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. Um, We're here. We did it. We did it, Joe. We are finally, we've gotten over the hump of like the first initial episodes and now we're getting into like the real drama, the real discord, the real conflicts between the couples. This is what we live for. This is why we're here. So let's talk about it. Um, We're going to start off with Mirla and Gil. Um, everybody, like, you know, we see all the couples waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. Um, so, you know, obviously, Marilis had several hours to get into her REM cycle, or I guess have her REM cycle interrupted, because she's already got a list of complaints about Gil. Um, one of them, well, the first of them being that Gil talks in his sleep. And apparently, not only does he talk in his sleep, he talks so loud, according to Mirla, that she's confident that the people next door heard him. <laughs> so um, then Gil brings up the conversation that they had about uh, Mirla changing her last name. They first had this, he broached the subject at their wedding reception 
and he is of the mindset that he's more of a traditional guy so he feels like she should definitely change her last name whereas Mirla is a little bit more hesitant I don't think it's really because she's like a quote-unquote modern woman or anything I think it's really and she's said as much that she you know her father's passed away she feels a bond through with her father through her last name and so she's just not really that motivated to change her last name i'm completely on her side i don't really not that anybody's asking me to change my last name but i definitely wouldn't i've never thought that that was like an important thing i guess i could understand if you want if you to have children and you guys want to all have the same name i get that but i also feel like if a woman doesn't want to change her last name as most of my girlfriends who have gotten married have not then it's totally fine you know at the end of the day it's not that big of a deal and if you make it a big deal then i feel like there's probably more to the situation than just the last name you know so gil brings up hey Mirla, you're mexican so um you know traditionally a lot of mexican people will hyphenate their last name so how do you feel like that and Mirla's like i don't really feel like i'm that kind of mexican <laughs> and i feel like it would make my name really long i don't really know anybody in my immediate family who's done the hyphenate thing and then at this point she brings up to Gil the father aspect and Gil's like, well, I can't say anything now because you brought up all that sad stuff. So now I'm going to be a jerk. I'm going to look like a jerk and feel like a jerk if I push this on you. And Gil says, you know, hopefully they can come up with some kind of compromise in the future. And Mirla says, yeah, to be continued. So moving on to, <clears throat> excuse me, Rachel and Jose, just because I like being petty because y'all don't want me to let me be great. I would just like to pat myself on the back and be a little bit self-congratulatory because last week I said that, or I pointed out that they had a throw blanket on their hotel bed that had vows on it. And my prediction was that the vows that we were looking at on that blanket were from Jose because he's corny. Thank you. Congratulations to me. I was correct because I did peep. We could see the bottom corner of that blanket where it said, love your husband. So I knew. I knew that was him. So anyway, Jose says that he tells Rachel that he planned a bike riding excursion for them. And I don't know if you can call it an excursion if it's just them going around the resort. But whatever. He bought some, he rented some bikes and they're going to be going on a bike ride. And Rachel's like, yeah, um, about that. I may or may not be able to ride a bike. <laughs> so, like, can you teach me? And Jose's response was that of, like, a teenage boy of, like, yeah, I can definitely do that. I have no problem. I'm a quick learner. I learn and pick up on things so quickly that one time I was at a sports uh, equipment store and I tried on some rollerblades and I learned how to rollerblade within like five or ten minutes. <laughs> okay, Jose. So then Rachel asks if there are any sort of bucket list style things, things that we want to do before we have kids. <clears throat> she has a dream of going to Switzerland. There are a bunch of activities that she wants to do there and She's thinking that Jose is going to meet her on her level. Like, yes, babe, let's totally do that. I'm with you. 
not so much. Jose's response is, yeah, well, that sounds really expensive. And I think if we are in a position where we want to have kids and maybe we can do more domestic trips, like go to New York or Las Vegas instead. And Rachel says that she thinks that they might still need to have a couple conversations. She's feeling some type of way about him bringing up the joint account and in her estimation, uh, her potentially having a, an allowance. Um, and she says in a confessional that her life is very different. She would go on a trip every month. She would go on a big trip every couple of years. And this might be something that they need to make a compromise on. So then they go on their bike ride and listen, Rachel can ride a little bit better than I expected. She wasn't good. Let's be clear, but she wasn't terrible either. Also, she had a really cute bathing suit on. I hope you guys noticed it was like kind of like a, not a halter, but it had like little strappy things in the back and kind of like almost like a peekaboo, but not really. It was very cute. Um, here's my thing about the trip. It's not like y'all need to pump the brakes on this babies thing like great that you guys are on the same page but are you guys really motivated to have children right now because to me I don't think it's that if you're not if you know you're not about to have kids immediately and you know that this is in like the near-ish future even a year two, even three years from now why can't you just have that one big trip if she's saying, I just want to do one thing, I think it's lame to, like, cut, put the kibosh on her dreams. Just go to Switzerland. How bad can it be? And low-key, going to New York, if you're, like, doing New York as a tourist and balling out, right, you're probably spending just as much as if you were going to Switzerland. Let's be real. Because I can't imagine those tickets from Texas to New York are probably, um, you know, a little bit on the pricier side. So I don't know. I'm I'm a T. Rachel on uh, pretty much everything that I can think of that would require me to be Team Rachel on. Anyway, so when they finish their bike ride, they sit down for iced coffee and Rachel says, listen, it's not like I want to talk about my exes all the time, but... My last relationship, the guy would bring me down a lot, and that bike ride really hammered into me that you're the opposite of that. You're incredibly supportive, and I'm really grateful that we can do something like that, and that you're not going to talk down to me, so thank you for that. And I feel like this is where we need to be, and I'm so glad we're married, because it just keeps getting better and better. Okay. I'm sensing a little bit of fake it till you make it coming out of Rachel. Uh, I think she's kind of like Brett in that Brett has been dropping hints that there are concerns. We'll get more into that later because she gets more into it later. But let's talk about like everything that we've seen leading up to this episode. Brett has been kind of like... I'm really excited, but we haven't had these conversations, or I'm really excited, but there's always that little tiny but that she doesn't want to admit to, and I think the same thing, like I said, is happening with Rachel. I think she sees storm clouds ahead, but she's trying to make the best of what's happening now, which really is a lot of them, like saying that they're happy and everything is working without really having these deep conversations. 
so Rachel starts to switch gears and she says that the conversation that they had about finances the night before is kind of stuck in her brain. She's somebody who prides herself on being an independent woman and she hates the term uh, Montanita, which is like Spanish for a kept woman, right? So she says that she feels uncomfortable with the idea that they have one joint account that'll trickle down to what you know whatever's left and on the one hand she doesn't mind the idea of giving him her whole check but she does feel you know kind of confident she does mind giving him the whole check but she does feel also confident that he is really financially savvy jose again brings up the point that he's been working so that when he got married he would be in good standing financially and then he's like again much like the rollerblading story it's like this is a story that you have been waiting to say clearly. So he goes, you know, I've got a really good credit score. Do you not want to know what it is? And she's like, mm, not really, but okay. I mean, before she could even answer, he's like, it's 815. It's 815. It's like practically perfect. And Rachel's like, okay, so you've got your shit together. You've got your excellent credit score. When... You entered into Married at First Sight. Did you request somebody who was also as financially savvy as you? And Jose did say, you know, I'm asking for somebody. I did ask for somebody on my level. These are the things that piss me off about Jose or the things that ping as off to me. Using these words like he uses classy a lot when it comes to a woman. And for some reason, that is like a loaded word for me it's almost like a four-letter word I don't know if maybe this is just my stuff but to me when a man says I want a classy woman it just reeks of like misogyny like classy just I, I don't know it just rubs me the wrong way does it rub you guys the wrong way I it just seems very like loaded and not in a way that I can get down with Anyway, let's move on to Michaela and Zach, who, you know, we might as well just get them out of the way because we barely saw them. Um, <laughs> the first scene we see of Zach is of him playing like Romeo and Juliet out on his balcony. They're doing drone shots of him from far away. Like they do not want to go into that room. They're not going to risk it. <laughs> so he's out on the balcony with a mask on. Every time we see Zach in this episode, with the exception of him FaceTiming later, he has a mask on even though he's not anywhere near anybody, but he's looking longingly out on the beach and well, not the beach, but the marsh. And he says that he feels bad, not only because he's got COVID, but because he wanted to be with Michaela and he pictured them drinking mimosas and just making the most of their uh, honeymoon, but they can't have that now. We see a little bit of Michaela. She's back in Houston at her place and she says she's feeling a little bit better since she got back the day before, but she misses Zach. But he was reassuring of her and said, this is a short time sacrifice for a long time paradise. Cornball. But she appreciates his optimistic attitude. <laughs> um, I just like, I really wish that they had taken advantage and we had maybe seen more uh, interaction between them, phone calls, FaceTimes. I would have liked to see more of that because I have a feeling we would have gotten more of what we saw Michaela's initial reaction to Zach getting uh, COVID was, which was 
wham, 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 me, 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 why can't I be with my husband? I, when she's saying, oh, he, he encouraged me and he's so optimistic and he made this like, like wild Dr. Seuss rhyme about our relationship. I just feel like that's probably a result of her acting wild wild towards him and i i just can't imagine (laughs) what this man has had to go through on top of the COVID. like he should not be the one reassuring you he could have gone to the hospital he could have died really like this could have really gotten serious he should not be the one making you feel better for uh, really in the long scheme in the grand scheme of things like a minor inconvenience it's annoying and it sucks that you don't get to have your honeymoon i get that that sucks but there's an extremely good reason why you're not getting to have this honeymoon and it's not about you it's about your husband's health anyway let's move into bow and johnny a couple that i you know had been standing for from the beginning but man the uh johnny's really rubbing me the wrong way and bow apparently isn't rubbing much of anything more on that later um so during breakfast with bow and johnny bow thanks johnny for being so understanding when she mentioned her securities around snoring time out bow um he wasn't being so understanding i know you don't know that because we only know that because of what he said in the confessional and i'm really starting to feel sorry for bow um I really am because I feel like Johnny has a lot of, she has a lot of insecurities, but so does Johnny and they manifest in different ways and they come from very different things. But I feel like Johnny's not taking the time to really understand Bao. It's like everything that she says is, oh, you're just bursting our bubble. You're the Debbie Downer. We, It's two steps forward, and then Bao says something, and she ruins it all. And I just think that's a really unfair way to look at it. I think he's... I think... I, I have to imagine that in some way he feels a little bit criticized for what he did, like kind of joking about her snoring, But that's like, was not the point. The point was just to stop. And I don't know. I just don't like that he, the way he interpreted her being so vulnerable. Cause like, if I really cared for somebody and I felt, and they said like, Hey, this thing that you say about me or these jokes that you think you're making actually aren't very funny to me. I wouldn't be, my initial reaction would be like, wow, what a spoil sport. I'd be like, Oh my God, I feel terrible because I care about this person and I don't ever want to make them feel uncomfortable you know um and I don't, I'm not getting that from Johnny so in a confessional bow says as a woman as a woman as a woman people don't expect you to snore and while I've been told it's cute it's not cute to me especially when you've had a life of being bullied and and joked about about it and so Johnny immediately admits that he was kind of turned off by the snoring, but also by her telling him that she doesn't like for him to make jokes about the snoring. Like, why would that turn you off? You see what I mean? Um, And that he found it to be a petty thing to bring up. Um, And his immediate concern was if they were going to have arguments like that for the rest of their life. 
she she wasn't arguing with you. She was being vulnerable. She was asking you, like, she was telling you how she felt. She wasn't centered. She simply asking you to do something or to not do something anymore. That's not an argument. <laughs> you, in a confessional, Johnny says that if this was a dating situation, this would have been a red flag that caused him to go back to the dating apps. But he's got a ring on now. It's forcing him not to flee and to stay in it. So then Johnny asks about where she thinks that they are on a scale of like being comfortable with one another. And she reveals that in the past, her relationships would start off physical with physical intimacy and then the emotional intimacy would come with time. And then she says that the physical intimacy is a lot easier for her usually. And she's very attracted to Johnny. She's had a crush on him this whole time since, you know, in the years that they've known each other. Um, this is very interesting to me that she talks about leading in the past, leading with physical intimacy, because we're not getting that now. And I'm grateful for that because I think this would have made things a lot more complicated, not for Bao so much, more for Johnny. There's something like a little bit unstable about Johnny. I'm not loving it, you guys. Uh, but let me know how you guys think. When I drop the episode, I'm going to, you know, and put the promo in the uh, Instagram. Drop a comment below and let me know how you guys are feeling now about Bao and Johnny. Or particularly Johnny. Um, so... Johnny says, you know, if you had told me that you liked me back in the day, I probably would have told you that I liked you too. But why? <laughs> why would you have said that when all this time you've basically said that you didn't think about her like that? It was purely platonic for me. It just never really crossed your mind. Why, why would you have told her you liked her too if she had simply said it? Damage. This is a red flag for me, for you, Johnny. So after this, they go and lay out on a hammock. And in a confessional, Johnny says that he needs to be more forthcoming with Bao about his feelings because he's like the type of guy who likes to smooth things over really quickly. And he says that he feels like he's not being fair to her by not telling her how he feels. So they're all cuddled up in the hammock and Johnny starts off by saying that he feels like sometimes Bao isn't living in the moment and that she seems to be worried about things and that's not where he's at and he doesn't want to lie. But he did have a little bit of a fight or flight moment when she mentioned the snoring, snoring and started to have doubts about her. I thought she took this incredibly gracefully and incredibly well. I do think that the fact that she took it so well might be a sign of a little bit of insecurity on her part because I think she's to me she's way more invested in this relationship than Johnny is Johnny seems like he's finding any and everything to be like oh I shouldn't do this or normally I wouldn't do this or normally I wouldn't do that but he's got to let go of that stuff Johnny even goes so far to say as, I don't want to scare you, but this would be the moment where I start thinking, is this for me? Like, is this relationship for me? How do you, like I said, she took it so well because if I'm sitting here, we're in, we're on our honeymoon. You've got your arms around me and we're cuddled up in a, in a hammock. And you're saying that something that I did normally would make you completely rethink the relationship and dump me. Uh, 
that would be a very hard pill for me to swallow. Anyway, it's not like she doesn't know. Because she does say, I saw that in your eyes. It was a bad moment for me, too. And I, it felt like you were judging me. And this is all new for me. And I'm trying so hard. And I'm not sure that that's showing. She admits in a confessional that she does have a tendency to overthink and that overthinking has affected her relationships in the past, but she's hopeful that because Johnny's so straightforward that they can move past their issues more quickly. So Johnny tells her that the honeymoon should be like the launching point or the time where they kind of establish a good base in their relationship. So he asks her, like, can we make a dual deal that for the rest of our honeymoon, we just focus on each other? And she nods yes. Later, they go parasailing. And Bao says that she's actually really happy that Johnny had said something to her earlier so that they can just enjoy the rest of their honeymoon. They go on this parasailing ride. They're having so much fun. Bao's really having a great time. And you could tell how excited she was. And she says, you know, I couldn't imagine doing that with anybody else except for Johnny. So when they finish, Johnny brings up moving in after the honeymoon. And he says, I haven't lived with anybody for like seven or eight years. I'm really particular. I'm really tidy. And Bao, do you think that we're going to be compatible in that sense? And Bao says, I think your version of neat and my version of neat might be a little bit different. And I suspect that this might be a challenge for us because I'm also very particular. Next, moving on to Brett and Ryan, there really wasn't much about their morning scene except for just like a light conversation about how she tends not to be adventurous. Ryan is a little bit more so. And they kind of come up with a strategy because they're going to be going kayaking and they're going to be in like a manatee area. So She's a little bit concerned about that, about the sea creature of it all. And basically just says, Ryan says, you know, he mumbles. A bridge too far to say that he said it. He mumbled that, you know, I'm going to do what it takes to make you feel comfortable. And, you know, she says, just as long as you maintain calm, act like it's not a big deal, I'll be fine. So they go kayaking. There was a fairly large manatee, probably about the length of uh, the kayak that was posted up right underneath Brett. And she's like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't like this. She's freaking out, but not really. Like, she, she didn't cry. She just said very plainly, like, I don't want to look at it. Ryan, who has been saying, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make sure that you're calm. He's like, uh, look at it look at the manatee look under look at how big it is look at how uh, look it's right there right under you it's so big oh my gosh it's pretty large and okay so we're just throwing that support and calm me down thing out the window but she really was a very good sport about it ryan even says that you know he knows that they don't really have too much in common she's not really into all the double dare physical challenges that he is and but she took it really well and she's being a trooper and he's happy about it. And he hopes that it continues because he's got a whole bunch of other things to throw at her. But when they're done, Brett says that she feels really safe with Ryan and 
she just thinks that she kind of needed a push, but there also might be a time where she has to put her foot down and say, I don't want to do this. So later, all the couples meet up for sunset drinks and dinner. Zach FaceTimes a group with his chest all out, and he says that he's feeling okay, but he's really concerned that Michaela's going to resent him for the rest of their lives. And y'all see what I'm saying? Like, what what was she saying to him that would make him feel that way? <laughs> Why is he feeling so much guilt? It's wild. Um, so when they sit down, everybody sits down for dinner. Johnny admits that he and Bao had their first disagreement, but they were able to sleep on it. And he was able to share how he feels. And they're both better off for it. And they're really good at communicating. I just think what's interesting about what he said and how he delivered it to the group is that he positions the conversation and saying, I was able to say how I felt when Bao was being equally as transparent with him. You need, you know, like if I were to hear what he said, I would think Bao did something to hurt him. He was able to express that hurt and they were able to get over it. But that's not the truth. Not in my mind. So Ryan actually thanks them. Like, hey, thank you guys for being so transparent. Thank you guys for admitting that. Because I feel like it's only going to help us as a group in the future to hear these things. And us all be, you know, transparent with one another about what's going on. Because this is such a unique situation. So then Johnny asks if anybody else has been going through stuff so far. Brett admits that she's not been the best at asking questions or digging deep. So they haven't really had any of the big conversations about living arrangements or finances. But then she says, on the other hand, given how long they've been together, it's been, what, five, six days. It's not really that weird that they haven't had those deep talks yet. Gil says that they're kind of on the same page as Brett and Ryan. They haven't really had a big uh, conversations about finances because in his words uh princess over here is very particular so then johnny asks what their plan is like when if are you guys gonna be having these deep conversations if this happens and you guys find yourselves on the opposite end of the spectrum where do you think you know how are you guys gonna handle that gil says just like you and Bao said, it's all about communication. So then politics come up. And this is something that historically they really try to like pussy pop around on this show. And I'm grateful that they're digging in deeper. But this was one of my frustrations from last season. Clearly, like Eric and Virginia had very different political alignments. And they didn't really want to talk about this. So this is like the most political, open conversation we've had. And I just wish that they had gone further. But everybody said enough for us to glean what's going on. So Gil starts off by saying, let's say, for example, I'm a Democrat. I found out Marilyn was a Republican. It maybe wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. And Marilyn says... Oh, it would be for me. See, I've been trying to not go too hard on Marla because I, one, am suspicious of Gil. And my suspicions were confirmed. But two, I don't think she's that bad. I think that they're like pushing this I'm a princess thing. Um, I spend, spend, spend 
whatever. Like, if she spends within her means, then, like, continue to do so, girl. I mean, let's be real. It doesn't really look like you spend that much money. It seems like a lot of your outfits come from uh, AliExpress, Shein. Um, There seems to be a lot of fast fashion happening, ma'am. So if you like to splurge out on, you know, a bag... You get you if you want to pump it down to TJ Maxx and get you a little YSL bag. Did you guys know about this? That they're selling like legit YSL bags, like nice bags at the TJ Maxx now, and they're only like two hundred bucks. Girl, go get go down. I haven't personally looked, but I've seen them. There's a let me not let me not because I saw a real really good one that I liked, but oh, it's reversible. Oh, girl. Okay. Anyway, but little tip for me, you and me. Anyway, I've just been like girding or whatever my uh curbing my diss of Mirla because I feel like she's not as bad and I know that she is like the least favorite um so far out of the people I've seen Twitter people do not like fuck with Mirla but I was fucking with her in this conversation she was the only person who was saying it meaning it and I got it It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gilligan says that it's not a deal breaker for him because it doesn't matter in a relationship. And Marilyn makes a face like you are wild right now. <laughs> like wild. Gil says something about you know, how you shouldn't bring politics into your personal relationship. And if somebody's enacting laws that are going to help his career, then he's going to side with them. He says this a couple times over the course of this whole relationship conversation. And Mirla said something about like Gil said, excuse me, you guys, Gil says something later along the lines of, you know, if if it's helpful to me, then I'm just going to vote for the person who aligns with that. And, Mirla says, but it's not just about me. It's about the greater good. See? One point. So anyway. um, uh, Where where am I going? Okay, sorry. So so Brett starts looking really uncomfortable. In a confessional, she says she's been very vocal in her political leanings. And she has a feeling that she and Ryan probably don't align in that sense. And it could be a potential problem for their marriage. So back to the table, Ryan says, um, you know, if somebody cares one way or the other too much, then they're not for me. 
like I said, Meryl is the only one who's standing firm in the fact that like political alignments in a relationship are very important. It would be a deal breaker for her if she were with a Republican. Like, let's be honest. That's what she's saying. Brett is not saying a whole lot because she knows that she's just married a Republican, a Trump supporter. <laughs> and, and she says like in a confessional, she understands that like in Texas, their political landscape tends to be a little bit more complicated, but essentially if she were just dating Ryan and found out that they didn't align politically, it would be a deal breaker for her. And that sucks. Like I may, I guess maybe this was like not such a big deal in the sense of like the, the, I don't know. I would, I would be very curious to know how the experts justify matching people with opposing political views in now you know maybe i could see before 2016 that not being such a priority but we're in a different world you know and i really would like to hear like why they continue to do this because it's gonna be a problem it's going to be a problem johnny then changes the subject and asks everybody hey y'all fucking (laughs) or not and Rachel says, I know what you guys might think. We're kiss, kiss, kissing all over this island, all over the resort, all over y'all's dinner and cocktails. But they basically everybody says that they're not hunching at this point. And uh, she says, you know, I think with my heart and my head, we're in this romantic setting. I need to know what it's like to live with this guy before we get there. So in a confessional, Gil says he doesn't believe them, (laughs) but he'll take their word for it. Everybody turns to Johnny since he's the one who asked the question, but didn't answer it. And he's like, well, I'm going to let Bao tell you guys. You guys, I get so tickled at the way Bao talks about sex and physical intimacy (laughs) because it's so nerdy and analytical and it's just a delight for me. So she says, you know, for us, our emotional intimacy has really grown and even the sexual intimacy is really growing and there's definitely a tension there, but we're taking there, we're taking it every, you know, one day at a time. And when it naturally happens, it'll naturally happens. But you know, I won't, don't judge anybody because I think everybody, all of us couples are on a different timeline. Johnny asked the group who he thinks out of them will be the first people to consummate the relationship. And Mirla is like a bow and Johnny. I think you guys. Ryan says, this is like the smartest thing that he said the whole time that he thinks it's going to be Michaela and Zach. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a real wild card. And like, well, it's not because we already know that they did it, baby. <laughs> anyway, um, so after the dinner, we're moving on to the next day. And Mirla and Gil go out to the beach and of course, you know, Mirla has come with her bag of sunscreen and water and salad, some sort of vegan snack and complaints and talks about how usually she would be under a big umbrella during the peak sun hours and then Gil surprises her with gelato. Has somebody come bring it out. She's like, it's probably already melted by now. Okay, is this vegan? Are you sure it's vegan? Because I don't do dairy. She takes a couple bites 
And only at that moment does she realize, oh, you know, I did mention to you yesterday that I wanted gelato. Oh, thank you. That was actually very thoughtful of you. This is really chocolatey. This chocolate gelato that I have, it's maybe too chocolatey. How can a flavor be too much of a flavor? You got chocolate. Less? Okay. (laughs) So Gil says in a confessional, you know, I really am, I want to do nice things for Mirla, but I've learned that I have to be conscious of um, thinking that I'm not just being thoughtful, that I'm being thoughtful in the way that Mirla picks up on as thoughtful. (laughs) So um, then Gil turns to her and says, how did you become you? (laughs) Million dollar question. She says, what? What do you mean? Like fabulous, kind hearted? And Gil says, whatever words you want to use. Sure. Yeah. So Gil tries to ask more about her upbringing. You said you were poor. Like, let's specify what kind of poor you were. Mirla says that her first memories are of like her first house. It was a one room, 300 square foot tin roof place. She shared it with like five people. And Bill says he also, excuse me, Bill Gill says he also grew up poor too, but then he says he also had everything he needed. And she's like, yeah, I definitely did as well. It's not like we weren't eating or anything. Um, so when Gil says, yeah, we were poor, but I wasn't really feeling, I didn't feel poor at the time. Marilla was like, oh, I definitely did. Like, I wanted to go shopping. I wanted to have all these experiences that I couldn't have because we couldn't afford it. And it is like, oh, so this has been you the whole time. Like, I'm getting it. If He says in a confessional, if I can understand where she's coming from or where she came from, I can understand and be more, you know, uh, not thoughtful, but like uh, more caring and more understanding of the person she is today. Gil then mentions that he, even though he has siblings, he kind of grew up as an only child, which is my story for the most part. Like my sisters are 12 and 17 years older than me. So by the time I could remember, I don't really remember them being in the house and us having that traditional sibling sister, sister relationship. Um, So he says, because of that, he wants to have a whole bunch of kids, like seven or eight kids. And if they can't, have them all biologically that they can adopt, which I wish that I had gone back and seen what people were saying about this on Twitter because Mirla says that she has no desire to adopt. It's not something she wants to do. Gil even was like, do you know how that sounds kind of evil? Because think of all the kids that are out there who need to be adopted. And she says in a confessional that she has no desire to, well, that the only way that she would adopt is if she, if they had exhausted all their options to have a child biologically, I can understand. Like it doesn't sound great, but it's also you're allowed to have children or not have children any way you want. Like, yeah, it does sound maybe a little bit cold, but also If she wants to have biological children, she should be allowed that. And if she doesn't want to adopt children, that should be allowed too. I I mean, I get it. It doesn't sound great. But I also feel like it's her choice. And that's fine. 
Mirla says that she is only going to have enough kids that she can care for and be able to provide the things that she didn't have. And Gil is pretty firm on the seven to eight kids thing. And she says, okay, well, are you like a trust fund kid? You're not? Okay, well, then I guess we're not going to have seven or eight kids. Later, the couples all go on a boat trip and... They play Never Have I Ever. The first few questions were pretty innocent slash not interesting at all. But then somebody asked, like, oh, Never Have I Ever had a one-night stand. And shockingly, the only person that I saw take a drink was Bao. Not even Ryan? That can't be. That can't be. Maybe I, like, passed out and didn't and missed something. She could not have been the only person in that group to have a one night stand. I, I can't believe that. But anyway, Bao asks or says, you know, never have I ever cheated. And Mirla and Rachel are the two that take a drink. In a confessional, Jose, that he's kind of surprised by Rachel's admission. And he sort of has a personal story or a stake in it because his dad cheated on his mom. And it's just not something that you do. Then a bunch of people go out paddleboarding and they try to make this whole drama about, oh, Johnny went out too far. Oh, is that boat coming for him? Is he going to be eaten up by a shark? Is is fucking Shamu going to come and, and take him out? It was fine. <laughs> he, he comes back like very laissez-faire, very chill, not an issue. Like they really, really hyped up the drama. He's like, I just wasn't like paddling deep enough and so I wasn't able to turn that was literally it anyway let's move on um when they're heading back the ladies have a conversation on the boat and Rachel says that this marriage has been a little bit of an adjustment for her because she's independent and it's just a real change of pace to have somebody who wants to do everything with her Brett says kind of the same thing that well, not really. She says she feels like more of a caretaker. That's typically how she would describe herself. But Ryan is not letting her do anything. So she's kind of like, I don't know where I stand in my role now. Bao brings up an excellent point of we're in a situation like we're we've all been on the apps. We probably because of the apps and app culture, you could just swipe, swipe, swipe on all these superficial things, we probably would have left these guys behind. But now I'm noticing that he might not check the boxes in the superficial sense, but there are deeper boxes that he's checking. I'm hearing it now. Ooh, ooh sexy. <laughs> every, every time. Anyway. Um, so essentially Brett says that she and Ryan don't really have anything in common. She's not from a small town. She doesn't like to do the same things that he says he likes. Hunting, fishing, mudding, I'm sure. And she also feels like politically they're not on the same page. So she feels like there's got to be some deeper, bigger reason of why the experts match them. So after the boat excursion, Bao and Johnny go back to the room. And Johnny asks if she thinks that they've been living together. Like, I think so far so good. And Bao's like, yeah, I think we've been great travel companions so then john johnny says okay well the next step is going to be us moving together um do you have any fears or reservations about the fact that i haven't had a roommate or even like a live-in romantic partner in about seven years and i was like 
Yeah, definitely. Because I notice it myself as I get older, I become less flexible and I'm concerned about that. And, you know, while we've learned a lot about each other, moving in, it's going to be a whole different ball game. And then she says, my fear is that I feel like you have some things that you don't like about me. For example, you shower a few times a day. And honestly, there have been weeks where I shower that much in a week, maybe a few times a week. Um, and then she says, listen, most of the time I do shower once a day, but there have been times in my life where I've been sad and showering just wasn't my top priority because I just wanted to lay in bed. And there are times where I go to bed, I come home and I go to bed in the same clothes that I uh, left the house in. I don't brush my teeth. I don't wash my face. It is what it is. And then she says to Johnny, I don't really see you doing that. And he's like, no, I definitely don't do that. (laughs) So Johnny's like trying to be cool about it at first. And Bao says, this is something that I can work on. I have to admit, I'm probably not going to get to the point where I'm showered multiple times a day. And he's like, that's fine. But like, just if you're going to be working out or being active or if you've had a hard long day, I'm going to need you to take a shower because I don't want you sleeping in my bed, pig penning it up because we're going to have to change the sheets every day. So Bao says, well, how would you feel on if those days where I work out and I'm just too lazy to take a shower, um, that I just sleep on the couch? And Johnny's like, you can sleep on the bed, but I think you're just, you're going to have to be the one to change the sheets. And she's like, well, what if I'm too lazy to do that? And he says, well, then just take a shower. Like, is that so hard to just rinse off? (laughs) Johnny's face during this whole conversation is like, oh, shock, confusion. I don't know where I am right now. In a confessional, he's like, I'm finding out that our differences are very, very big differences. And these are probably the things that I would have discovered in the first couple of months of dating. And to be honest with you, I would have walked away. So Bao says, this is not going to be an issue that comes up every day or every week. It's just going to be occasionally, time to time, you're just going to have to let me be my dirty self and sleep on the couch. Gross. Girl, like, I I can't ride with you on that. I cannot support this. I understand the subcontext of what you're saying and probably that your lack of um, cleanliness is a result of depression, it sounds like. Um, and so I'm going to give her a little bit more grace and credit towards that. But, um, the fact that you're like trying to negotiate showering and that you're trying to like compromise by like putting your dirty body on the couch as if that's going to be any better. Um, I can't, I can't do this with you girl. (laughs) Like good on you for admitting it, I guess, but uh, that's nasty girl. That's nasty. Fortunately, Johnny's able to uh, change the subject in a positive way. He reveals about that he spoke to his dad for the first time since he got married, which we all know that this was a big deal. He was very afraid of his father not approving of the marriage and the wedding. And that turned out to be true. We saw a conversation where we couldn't hear anything his father said. But I mean, based on Johnny's crying afterwards, uh, didn't didn't go well, clearly. Um, so 
he said, I talked to my dad. The first question was, did you get married? <laughs> and the second question was, is she Asian? <laughs> and so apparently all it really took for um, homeboy Johnny's dad to feel better is knowing that he at least married an Asian woman. Because he says, the more I talked about you and described you to my dad, um, you know, the more he... And then he uses this Chinese phrase. It basically translates to he was relieved. Um, at the end of the conversation, Johnny's dad went even so far to say that he's happy for him, which Johnny says is like the first time he said that in a few months. And Bao is so excited. She's so happy. And she's like, oh, my gosh, like I have chills just even thinking about all of this. And I'm just like really happy for you. These are the moments where Johnny really needs to like take that in because she like she and her body odor <laughs> are genuinely so supportive of him and genuinely so happy for him. And he really needs to lean into those moments and not the moments where she is being vulnerable in a way that doesn't end up with them making out, you know? <laughs> Johnny says that he had really kind of resigned himself to thinking that his dad was never going to approve of this union and that it was always going to be sort of a thing that kind of hung over their relationship, but he's feeling really, really relieved. There was a very quick scene where Rachel Jose and Marilyn Gill are out on the beach or whatever you want to call that marsh, the old folks home property. And once again, they have a little talk with Zach um, on the balcony. He says he's feeling a lot better, but he's just kind of dealing with the stress of being by himself in a room. But overall, he didn't do this to go on a honeymoon. He went to do this to get married. So that's the accomplishment. That's what he accomplished. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Um, so back to Rachel and Jose. They go to the beach to have some wine and Rachel's like, can I open the bottle? Because one, Jose, you're not doing it right. And two, I want to because I'm an independent woman. You don't need no man to open a bottle for me. Um, in the confessional, Jose says that he's kind of pulling back so that he can allow his wife to be the independent woman that she wants to be. So that he can allow her to be independent. Allowed her to be independent. I said it three times. Yes. Rachel then brings up the fact that basically everybody thought 
all the other couples thought that they were banging at this point, but they're not. And Rachel says, at this point, it's kind of an elephant in the room because we've been doing a lot of kissing and cuddling. And I'm hopeful that when it gets to the sex part, it's going to be easy as a kissing is. But then she says that it's kind of intimidating because what if that's the area where they don't really click? Now, this is very interesting because it's kind of the opposite of what she said earlier, which was, you know, that I think with my heart and my head and, you know, we need to have that, you know, and she needs to know what it feels like to live with him before they get to that point. So do y'all see what I mean when I, I feel like she's clearly sees something on the horizon but like wants to make it seem like she's so, so happy. But anyway, um, Rachel asks Jose how important intimacy is to him. And he says, it's very, very important. And she says, we've just evolved so much. And so quickly that, you know, like I feel that emotional connection with you, but if the physical intimacy doesn't begin in a few months, then I would think that there would be a problem. And Jose says, you know, we have to get the other things down for us first before we even talk about having sex. Because if we have sex first before everything else, then we're going to be looking at this relationship all wrong. And then he goes on to say that he has to have boxes checked. And if they're not checked, then it's not going to happen. So now would be a good point to bring up something that a few of you have reached out to me about, which is that y'all's gaydar has been pinging on Jose for quite some time, like even in the matchmaking special. I didn't really get that vibe until this conversation. It's very weird for me. You have said so many times, Jose, that Rachel has checked every box of yours. So why are you now telling her that if she doesn't check a bunch of boxes, these arbitrary boxes, then the physical sex is not going to happen. Let the record reflect that this was a man during his vows said <laughs> that he was going to be taking care of her in every way, including <clears throat> sexually. Now this leads me to believe that this is going to be a moment that comes back up later I have to imagine we're going to get that moment like we got with Clara last season where she was with the girls and she reveals over that uh, apartment camera that she's been getting Ryan off every week or every night and that they haven't had sex, blah, blah, blah. I feel like this is a moment that we're going to remember and we're going to look back on and they're going to show us later that I feel like Rachel probably tried to have sex with him and he turned her down. Whether that's because he's gay or not, that's really not for me to say. But I do feel like he's been saying one thing and doing another. And it seems like the goals have changed and the goalposts have changed. And I'm just like, I, my radar is up at this point. Um, the next morning, I don't know, it was just a dumb conversation. Rachel asks Jose if... He would consider his design aesthetic at the house to be more of a minimal situation. And he says, yeah. And she's like, well, I'm not. Probably have some hoarding tendencies, but I'm aware of it. And that's why I need you to help me. But 
clearly that conversation is a lot less interesting to me than why they're not having sex, why she feels so insecure, and also why she's laying down the gauntlet of if this doesn't happen in a few months, then it's going to be a problem. Moving on to Mirla and Gail, it's the last night of the honeymoon and Mirla decides to surprise Gail with a plate of a bunch of chocolate chip cookies. Which, as somebody who loves chocolate chip cookies, I had to say, they did not look that good. They also seemed to be like they were sourced from different places, because one of them had about 75 chips, and then the other ones had a normal amount. I talk, I'm too into cookies, like, I really could talk about this for about five more minutes, but I'm going to spare you guys. The cookies did not look good. Um, so she got him a bunch of cookies, champagne, He's so happy and he says that this is basically Mirla. Like, this is like the equivalent of foreplay to me. And then Gil says that even though he hasn't had a kiss, he's starting to feel like her actions are kind of catching up with the feeling. Like, she might not be physical in her showing of how she cares, but she's doing these acts of service that he can feel are intentional and nice and I noticed that when they had gone to dinner with the couples she did lean into him and kind of like grab his arm and put her head on his shoulder so it's not like I think they're getting there I think that Mirla has well uh, ding dong I think that Mirla has rules that she needs to get herself out of duh but she's getting there at least she's doing the work and like unlike Jose is not like moving the goalposts like she said what she said she's doing what she's doing you might not like her but she's not lied she's always been honest Gil says to Mirla that he kind of wishes that they had more time on their honeymoon but she says she's actually excited to get home and to start the real life stuff since that's going to be what their lives are Gil says the thing that he's most looking forward to is seeing how Mirla interacts with the dog. And immediately this was like, mm, mm, you already know how this is going to go, Gills, but let's, let's do it. Let's just do it. So she says, I'm not going to be taking him out for walks. I'm not going to be dealing with poop. Like you're going to be doing all that. Right. And in a confessional, Gil says that it's a little bit disappointing to him that she wouldn't be willing to do something like walk the dog since the dog is such a big part of his life. So he brings up the fact that he works two days a week, 24-hour shifts, and she's like, okay, well, what do you do with the dog normally? And he's like, well, I have a dog walker. She's like, okay, great. Then use a dog walker. And then Gil's like, well, the dog walker's really, she lives in my apartment building. Like, I would probably, you know, probably wouldn't be worth it for her to go, so I'd have to find another dog walker. She's like, great. I don't see the problem with that, but... Then he's like, well, I just feel like that would be a waste of money to find a new one when you're able-bodied enough to do it for me. So Mirla says, but I don't want a dog because I never wanted to walk a dog. This is where I am. And now I kind of feel like these responsibilities are being forced on me. Gil says, well, that doesn't sit well with me at all. It's going to make me, it's going to make it harder for me to even want to get to know you further. So I'm of two minds of this because 
as many of you guys know, like I have a pet sitting business. I love animals. I love dogs. I love cats. So I understand that I'm a little bit more biased. Like if I were to, have I ever dated a partner that had a pet? No, that's weird. I don't think I have, but if we got to be in a serious relationship, I don't mind walking a dog. You don't even have to pay me, even though I usually charge, sir. I mean, I charge well, but <laughs> like, it wouldn't be an issue for me to just walk the dog on occasion. Like you're talking two walks a day, two times a week, four walks a week in the grand scheme of things, not that big a deal. However, it is within her right to not want a pet and to not want to take care of a pet. I am also of the mind of like, if you don't want an animal, then don't have one. But it's like, what do you do when your partner has, I don't know, like, is it fair to just assume that they're going to take up the responsibility of the animal? I I just don't know. I don't think it's really fair for either one of them. I think it's a really interesting situation for them to be in. And I I see both of their points. I don't know. I think a good compromise would be like, hey, let's start off. You get the dog walker and then maybe we'll revisit this in a few months. Maybe I'll get to know the dog and maybe I'll like the dog, but I don't really think it's fair to lay the responsibility of caring for the animal on me when I've made it very clear that I don't want a pet. Um, I don't really think that's unfair. Just like, just compromise and just get like, don't act like, oh, now all of a sudden you can't afford to have a dog walker because you've had one and you've made it work. And you know what? Now I'm kind of on Marilla's side because I kind of feel like (laughs) as, as a pet sitter, like if you can't afford to have care for your pet when you're gone and when you're unable to care for them yourself, then like, don't have one because that is a really big expense. Like if you... I think a lot of people get into pet ownership and then they don't think about the other things. You don't think about one day they might eat something off the street or one day they might, you know, hurt themselves. And then, you know, that shit's not cheap to take care of. Or, you know, you're going to have to go out of town. Somebody's going to have to care for the animal. You're probably, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be fortunate enough to have a friend or family member take care of the pet. You guys, did you guys see, it was a thread on Twitter where somebody had given, they had gone out of town, they had hired a pet sitter. I think that this was like a friend of theirs, but the person, I think they were like watching their dogs or supposed to be watching their dogs. So the person who was supposed to be caring for the dogs text the owner and says, Hey, um, I'm, uh, Something came up, a trip came up that I wanted to go through, but I found somebody else to watch the dog. This happened yesterday and I've already left. But (laughs) so basically the owner's like finding out that somebody else that they don't even know has taken care of their pets. The person dipped on them who was supposed to be responsible for the dog. And where was I going with this? It just like was so upsetting to me. (laughs) Not everybody is capable of of caring for an animal, even people who think, oh, this is going to be so cute. And I, oh, yeah, like, I love your puppy. And then they find out that they have to actually do something and they don't want to do it. And it's fucked up. But um, this is why you guys have to find proper 
pet care, okay? Find people who really are passionate about animals because you find out very quickly that it's not all like cuddles and licking people on your face and like doing high fives, you know? That's not the, the case. Um, where am I? And where am I going? <laughs> the point is, if she's telling you that she doesn't want to care for an animal, like you need to take that on and listen to her. Anyway, back to the show. Um, Gil says that he feels like... Oh, excuse me. It's the next morning. Sorry. And <laughs> Mirla asks Gil, so, like, what are you going to do when we get back because you only work two days a week? And he's like, well, I don't really look at it like that. <laughs> it's not like he's working four-hour shifts. He's doing 20... 20- 48 hours a week, that's most than what people do. And yeah, it's all condensed into two days. But what do you think he's doing in these other two days is living his life and doing the things that he's got to do. So he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, like, I'll be doing my thing. I'll be doing errands. And Mirla seems genuinely confused that he has errands. She's like, what do you mean? Like, what do you need to do? I don't have errands. And Gil says, the interesting thing is, you pay people to do things, but I just do them on my own. <laughs> so then he starts talking about how like he feels like it's surreal to be going back home with a wife and it's just so different. She's like, I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel like it's surreal. Like I'm in this moment and I get it. And then he says something about how he feels like it's going to be easy for them to start their new life together. And she's like, well, disagree. I don't think marriage is easy. Not from what I've heard. (laughs) So that's the end of them for the week. And we end the episode with Brett and Ryan. Uh, They're having dinner on their last night in a confessional. Brett says they obviously have their differences, but she's getting to know him more and more. And the more she gets to know Brian, the more she likes him. So, During that dinner, Brett brings up the group dinner that they had where politics came up. And she says, you know, I, you know that I tensed up or I know that I tensed up and I got a little passionate, which we didn't see happening, but okay. Um, Ryan says, I'm glad you brought it up because obviously it's something that you had been thinking about. Brett says that the fact that they've, you know, brought up future and living together and kids kind of made her start to think about the politics of it all and listen they're really dancing around this whole situation but like let's be real she's clearly liberal he's a Trump supporter and she essentially says that well Ryan first says that it's more of a problem for her than it is for him so then she essentially says they must have had a conversation where he had talked about finances and him being fiscally conservative. And she says that part is more understandable, but then there are societal issues and things that come up with voting the way he does that she really has more of an issue with. And she says, you know, I really wasn't all that political until recently and all the things that were going on. And yeah, I, I don't know how this, I, um, I don't, Nope, I don't know how this is going to work for them. <laughs> I do not know. I don't know how you get over that. I would be like Mira, Mirla, like, okay, um, call the lawyers. I'm out. Not doing it. 
not doing it. So we'll see you guys. There looks like next week is going to be a bunch of drama. Michaela and Zach are going to get back together and it seems like they fall apart very quickly. And I'm looking forward to that. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple podcasts, I would very greatly appreciate that. It helps me very much. Um, yeah. Love you guys.